Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Light of the East is also funded by a grant from the Koch Foundation. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyer, your host. Well, today I get to wear one of my favorite set of vestments, my favorite set of priestly vestments, my green set. Because in the Byzantine Catholic Church, we use the color green on this incredible Sunday, one of the most important days of the year, Pentecost Sunday brings to conclusion the whole paschal cycle and in the byzantine church we use green in fact we even cut branches and bring greens into the church not only do we use the color green but we also use greens themselves in fact in the tradition that i come from my church comes from central europe a tree that was popular there which i have growing in my own church property is called the linden tree or the lipa tree for those of you of the latin rite who have statues in your churches carved in wood. Most of those statues are carved from the linden wood, from this linden or lipa tree. It's a very buttery kind of wood, very good for carving. Well, I have them growing on my property in honor of those trees that grew in the country of origins of my church. That would be in Slovakia and Ukraine, that area of Central Europe. And those in particular were the branches that our people would cut and bring into the church and decorate the church with the branches on Pentecost Sunday. So the whole point here is life. In the Latin rite, they use the color red. Now, isn't this interesting? Because our mission here in Light of the East is the unity of the churches. In other words, to present the beauty, the gifts of both lungs of the church, as St. John Paul II called it, primarily, of course, the Eastern churches. But in presenting both lungs of the church, we see here on Pentecost, once again, that interesting complementarity, where, as I always say, we arrive at the same place, but by coming from different directions or a different emphasis. In the Latin rite, the color is red because it, that emphasizes the fiery tongues of the Holy Spirit. In the East, we use green because we speak of the Holy Spirit as the giver of life. Isn't it very, very interesting how we can come at the same point in the church by two complementary ways? That's the way it's supposed to work. That's how we present it here on Light of the East. We're all about the gifts of the church. Now, in presenting the green and wearing my green vestments, 
we not only have that color that where we emphasize life, you know, green meaning like life, things are, are green if they're, if they're living, but also we emphasize, of course, the descent of the Holy Spirit. Now, we read about that, of course, in the Acts of the Apostles and also towards the end of Luke's Gospel. This was the final aspect of the plan of salvation, of revelation. God's not going to do anything more except come again for the last judgment. He's not going to make any more revelations. He's not going to do anything more, and at least not in the caliber of <laughs> like being born and incarnation, dying and rising and so on. We've had that. We've had the complete cycle. We've had the birth of Christ, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. And now the last thing was to send the Holy Spirit. And this is why we move into what we call the Sundays after Pentecost in the Byzantine church. In the Latin Rite church, they call it ordinary time. Although, as I always say, time is never ordinary in the church. It's always extraordinary. But technically speaking, it's ordinary time or in the Byzantine church, the Sundays after Pentecost. We kind of number them like the first Sunday after the second Sunday and so on. And that brings us into the summer months when things get kind of, in a sense, ordinary. All the great high holy days, the feast days are gone. They've already been celebrated. They'll return again, of course, as we cycle through them. But it becomes, in a sense, ordinary. And the descent of the Holy Spirit that concludes all of the great moments of revelation is celebrated with a great deal of solemnity in my church, not only with the green color and the greens that we bring into the church, but with special prayers and special readings. It's definitely one of my favorite feast days. I'm a very Holy Spirit-oriented person, and I should be anyway because the Eastern churches are very Holy Spirit-oriented. We always begin our prayers by beginning with an acknowledgement of God as Trinity, and we end our prayers that way too. We always include the Holy Spirit. In the Latin rite, oftentimes prayers are concluded with, through Christ our Lord, which obviously is perfectly legitimate. In the East, we always conclude our prayers with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. We're very, very Trinity-oriented, and in particular, the Holy Spirit. In the Eastern churches, there was not the charismatic movement as we know it, per se, in the Western church. Now, some claim that the charismatic movement actually began in an Eastern church, in the Armenian church. But by and large, there is not a charismatic movement that took hold in the Eastern churches as it did in the West. There are people in the Eastern churches who are charismatic. They do follow the charismatic movement. They're a part of that. But the churches per se did not go through the charismatic movement in the same way that the West did. We don't know why. We don't know why it happened in the West exactly. But I think the reason is, is because it was needed in the West, whereas the East was... I guess I'll say more naturally charismatic. In other words, more naturally sort of spirit-driven. Now, this is, does not mean the Eastern churches are better than the West. It just, just depends on where each church is at at any point in history. And the Holy Spirit will intervene in history and provide what is lacking in that church, what needs to be maybe sort of emphasized more or shored up and strengthened. So in the West, there was a need for a kind of a special infusion of the Holy Spirit, and that came about through the charismatic movement. Well, the Spirit is certainly working and moving in the, in the Western church. 
And it is in the Eastern Church as well. Our liturgy and just by nature, our spirituality, our character is very charismatic. In other words, it's very spirit-oriented with its emphasis on mystery, the mystical, and long, elaborate prayers. And just the way the liturgy is done, it's done in a very charismatic way, a lot of, a lot of dialogue between the people and the clergy, a lot of singing, a lot of a lot of a, a kind of a kinesthetic experience where you kind of put your whole self into it, all senses. That is true about the West as well. But again, in the East, we're talking about a particular characteristic, a particular strong point or emphasis. So this Feast of Pentecost is really, really one that our church is very much at home in because it is spirit-driven. And the emphasis is, of course, life or new life and being filled with the Spirit, being people who live in the freedom of the Spirit, as St. John Paul II would talk about so much in his Theology of the Body. How I wish I could have you experience the Pentecostal celebration in the Byzantine Church. Many of you who are listening have celebrated it, but many of you who are listening have not, or maybe not be familiar with how we celebrate it. I wish to bring that to you in some form, not only by talking about it, but also sharing with you some of the prayer and the scripture that we use in the celebration of this Pentecost Sunday. First of all, the readings that we do, now these readings are done on the evening before, the Vesper vigil service. And at the Vesper service in the Eastern churches, we always read the Old Testament. We don't read the Old Testament in the Divine Liturgy, you know, in the Eucharistic Liturgy. We always read the Old Testament in the evening services. And for the Old Testament readings prescribed for the Pentecost on the vigil, in other words, it would have been last night, Saturday night at the Vespers, we hear from Numbers chapter 11, the prophet Joel chapter 2, and the prophet Ezekiel. Prophet Ezekiel says this, and this is from chapter 36, verses 24 to 28. Thus says the Lord, I will take you away from among the nations, gather you from all the foreign lands, and bring you back to your own land. I will sprinkle clean water upon you to cleanse you from all your impurities, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and place a new spirit within you taking from your bodies your stony hearts and giving you natural hearts. I will put my spirit within you and make you live by my statutes and careful to observe my decrees. You shall live in the land I gave your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. Well, as always, these scripture readings, not only are they appropriate, but they're just full of all kinds of wonderful references and meditations you notice that he's talking about a new people, a new heart, and it's very much the liturgical themes in the Byzantine church during Pentecost, because we are called to live, and, and this is something a lot of people don't really necessarily understand or get about our faith. Our faith, East or West, the whole Christian experience, especially the Catholic one, East and West, and in this I include the Orthodox, of course, as well, in that experience— it's not about rules and regulations. It's not even about teachings per se. It's about life in the Spirit, living a life of being free in the Spirit, the freedom of the gift, the freedom of the Spirit. This means that we do what we do in our faith because of a response. In a sense, you could call it a charismatic response to our experience of the Holy Spirit, in other words, the Holy Spirit activates us. The Holy Spirit is what prays in us when we pray. 
When we are spirit-filled, we're very alive, we're very responsive to the presence of God, to love and to the, the realities, the truths of life. We're perceptive and sensitized to God's order of creation, how glorious and beautiful that is. And we respond with joy and thanksgiving. This is what it means to live in the freedom of the Spirit. We do what is right because we're in love with God. We're inspired to do what is right, not because we have a law or we need a law. Now, unfortunately, we, we do because we're fallen creatures, but that's not really how it should be. It's not really how we're supposed to be living. We're supposed to be living in a certain freedom. Freedom doesn't mean doing whatever you want. Freedom means precisely the opposite. It means being so disciplined and responsive to God that we're free from the effects of doing things that are sinful, doing things that are without God, and how that enslaves us, even though we think it's freedom. So life in the Spirit is what the Pentecost Sunday is all about. It was that way at the very first Pentecost, and it is that way still now, because remember, through the liturgy of the church, these scriptural events become our events. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Truth, it's not about how you feel. And now, a Sheptitsky Institute Minute with Father Peter Galadza. In 1935, Archbishop Andrei Sheptitsky wrote the following about truth and our attitudes towards faith. He wrote, Many believing Christians are sometimes wrong because they think that authentic religion is more of a feeling than truth itself. Faith is an act of reason and not a blind assent to just anything whatsoever. And faith is certainly not just one's private experience. Faith compels one to believe, but it compels one because the mind itself recognizes that believing is a reasonable and necessary act and that not believing would be a sin against God and truth. To learn about degree programs in Eastern Christian Studies, visit sheptitskyinstitute.ca. That's S-H-E-P-T-Y-T-S-K-Y institute.ca. I'm Father Anthony Bush, pastor of St. Stanislaus Koska, the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy in Chicago, and you are listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you
Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. I'm very excited about this Sunday, one of my favorites, Pentecost Sunday, just full of all kinds of imagery, great scriptural passages, great liturgical text, long texts, lots and lots of prayer. After all, it is a great, great event, the descent of the Holy Spirit. As I mentioned before the break, remember, the scripture is not a history lesson. The scripture is our experience. And we enter into the scripture, not only by reading it and studying it, yes, but we enter into it through the liturgy. See, the liturgy of the church, this is why going to church, being a part of church, as much as you can be, all the services, the holy days, especially, of course, the Eucharistic service, the liturgy, or the mass, as they say in the Western churches, to be part of that is absolutely necessary to become that immersed, that intimate with God in the events of the Bible, the events of our faith. We have to realize this is this is what makes it real. The liturgy is what transcends time. It's on Kairos time. So when people are not connected with church, they're really missing it. They really are missing something. And they're certainly missing that charismatic dimension of our faith, that spirit-filled dimension. As I mentioned, we have marvelous scripture passages. I'm going to look at another one here with you. This one, of course, is one of the most famous from Pentecost. We read these again on Vespers, on the Saturday before, the Saturday night before Pentecost Sunday, which would have been last night in our church. And from Joel chapter 2, it says, And thus says the Lord, And do you, O children of Zion, exalt and rejoice in the Lord your God? He has given you the teacher of justice. He has made the rain come down for you, the early and the late rain as before. The threshing floor shall be full of grain, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will repay you for the years which the locust has eaten." the grasshopper, the devourer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat and be filled, and shall praise the name of the Lord your God, because he has dealt wondrously with you. My people shall never more be put to shame, and you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never more be put to shame. Then afterward I will pour out my Spirit upon all mankind, Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions, even upon the servants and the handmaids. In those days I will pour out my Spirit. And certainly this has come to pass. What was predicted in the prophet Joel has come to pass now in Pentecost. The Holy Spirit pours himself out into our hearts, into the church. And this passage here that talks about dreams and prophesying, you know, a lot of times we forget that Our experience of church, the church itself, and we who are part of the church, have to always be people who are charismatic, meaning we do prophesy and we do have visions and dreams. And what do I mean by that? It means that we must always be a visionary people. And this is particularly true about the church itself, and we have a role to play in that. See, there's basically three levels of existence of church. You could be a church that exists on the level of vision, or you can just be maintaining yourself, or you can just be trying to survive. If you don't stay on the level of vision as church, and all of us individually staying on that level as members of the church, and urging our churches to stay on that level, if we don't stay on the level of vision, we drop down to just maintaining, just kind of humming along, just kind of cruising along, and eventually that will lead you to just having to survive. Because if you're just cruising along, not necessarily going to be inspiring many people. You're not going to have much growth, much life, much caring, much heart, much zeal. You're not going to be so spirit-filled as a church. 
And so eventually you'll find yourself just trying to survive. And after that is extinction. And that's the condition a lot of churches are in today, a lot of parishes or churches as a whole. It's also because that's the condition that we are in as individuals. We forget that we are to be people of vision. And we have the vision because we were given the Holy Spirit, especially at the sacrament of confirmation or chrismation. And this means we should always be looking forward. We should always have a sense of what the church should look like, what it should be like, how we respond to the demographics of our time. In other words, if we look at the world today, rather than just lamenting it, we should ask ourselves, well, how do we envision our church to be that will enable it to respond to the demographic realities of today, especially the harsh ones, the the, the evil ones, the tragic ones? What should our church look like? I'm not talking about restructuring the whole church. I'm talking about in the way that it exists in terms of how we reach out, how we do our ministries. For example, we're using social media a lot. We've learned to use that. We've learned to use a lot of things that we didn't have before, and we incorporate those things into our way of reaching out, an array of ministry. And we should always be looking at how can we better meet the needs of people today? How can we better interface with the world? And this brings me to the other word from the reading today. How can we be prophets? How can we be prophetic? In other words, how can we witness to this life in the Spirit? You know, Pope Francis, I think one of his favorite words is joy. I think St. John Paul II, his favorite word was gift. You notice that these words are like threads that weave through the spirituality of these respective popes. For John Paul II, it was gift, I believe. And for Pope Francis, it seems to be joy. Well, how do we exude joy? That's what a prophetic person is. You're on fire for the Lord. Don't forget, especially in the Latin rite, we emphasize the tongues, the fiery tongues of the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you look at churches like mine that have the Russian-style or Slavic-style dome on them, it looks something like an onion, and they're sometimes called onion domes. They also are in the shape of a flame. That's right. Ever realize that? A shape of a flame. Yeah, they got a cross on it, usually a three-barred cross, the characteristic Byzantine Slavic cross. But the shape of the dome is, it's not like the Hellenic dome. It's based on the Hellenic dome, the Greek dome, which is like more like a, like a bowl. But the Slavic dome took on a little different contour. It took the idea of a dome, but it, it turned into a flame shape. That means the flame of our faith, the fervor of our faith, and the flames, the fiery tongues of the Holy Spirit that have come down on the apostles, but also on the church and also in us, that we're inflamed with the Spirit, that we are full of zeal. We are people who prophesy, who see dreams, have dreams and see visions, just like in the prophet Joel, but hasn't changed. That's what it means to live as a charismatic person, to be a charismatic church. We're not talking about being trendy or just trying to start things new. We're talking about looking at and experiencing old things, timeless things, but in ever new ways. As St. Augustine said, so ancient yet so new. That's what it's like to be a person of the Spirit, who's free in the Spirit, full of joy. You know, they're kind of contagious. They're kind of people you want around you. So on this Pentecost Sunday, I invite you to really open yourself to the Spirit be a person of vision, a person of zeal, a person on fire, a person who prophesies by your witness of the faith, who sees always that presence of God everywhere and lives according to that inspired vision. 
Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Leia on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Scripture says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy makes you attractive, helps you enjoy life, safeguards your energy. Being resentful, angry, and miserable just makes you tired. Joy is strength. That's why the devil wants to rob your joy. He wants to sap your strength. He wants to steal that next great moment with your kids and have you be focused on mean stuff someone did to you at work instead. Ever think of how easy it is to focus on something negative that happened to you and how hard it is to stay focused on positive things? We never tend to obsess on positive interactions like, dang it, I just can't shake the thought of that guy who was kind enough to let me in front of him on the freeway, <laughs> right? Listen, you only get about 30,000 days on this earth. Don't ever give a whole day to being angry at somebody else's bad behavior. No one is worth that. As St. Teresa of Avila said, let nothing disturb you. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com on EWTN Radio. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.